You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. See what the Lord might say to us today. If you have your Bibles, you're open to Joshua chapter 3. Let's read that together. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them, since you have never traveled this way before. They will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Verse 5, then Joshua told the people, purify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark of the covenant, lead the people across the river. And so they started out and they went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you. Just as I was with Moses, give the command to the priests who carry the ark of the covenant when you reach the banks of the river Jordan. Take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Father, we come today to come and listen to what you say. Verse 10, today you know, today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Pezzarites, Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men for the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season. And the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on into the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Will you pray with me? Father, you are the God of the whole earth. You have called us to be your own, and we come running to you through your Son, who you made a way. We ask you today for the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit to teach us out of your word what you are saying to us, that we might follow you where you are leading, that we might be with you where you are. We thank you that you have come to be God with us. Let us be us with God. We ask you for ears to hear, eyes that can see and hearts that could understand. Help us in the name of Jesus, we pray. 
Amen. If I had a title for this message today, I'm changing it as we go. I may have three or four titles. Um, the first one I thought of and has on, have on my paper is, we've never been this way before. Verse 3 and verse 4 said, Joshua said to the people, you need to follow the Ark of the Covenant because you have not been this way before. We are in a place we've never been before as a church. And I'd like to talk about that specifically a little bit today. But in general, in general, specifically for our lives, but maybe in general as an individual, as a person, maybe not pertaining to our church so much, but pertaining to you and where you are today. We have not been where we are today. We've never been in June in 2021 because this is it. July's coming. That will be new for us. We're in the new normal, they're calling it, after COVID. We don't even know what that is. But I'm telling you, things are going to be not normal going forward. We're going to need to see where God is leading because we have not been this way before. You've never been as old as you are. You've never had as many kids as you have. You've never been almost going to get married. You've never been in the middle of your marriage where you are. You've never been almost graduating high school or headed to career tech or college or a job or whatever we're doing right now, whatever position and part of life that we're in, it's new to us. You can argue with that. Let's just take our church, for example, 34 years we're going to celebrate next week. 34 years of all generations, this ministry, this church in Lockhart. You say, well, we've been here before. That's 34 years. Some people just are coming along and welcome. Some people, you've been here since the guitar was in Leo's hands. And so you say, well, if it's been 34 years, how, have we, how is this somewhere we've never been? We've never celebrated a 34th year. We've never had a pastor retire. We've never voted for a conehead to take over and there's a lot of things going on in our family as all generations that we've never done before. So even though you go 34 years of history, we've done a lot of that before. This is a new time. But it speaks of a new time in the Lord. And the Lord, when he does something new, he repositions and he changes things. He compares it to putting wine in old wineskins. When God's doing something new, it gets packaged a little bit new. It's still God. It's still his truth. It's still him. And he's on the move. But it doesn't fit in things the same way it did. And in your life in general, life's going to quit fitting the way it did. And in our church, as a body, life's going to not fit the way it did. We need to follow the Lord because we've never been this way before. I hope we can listen today as all generations and how this might pertain to us, but I really hope we can also listen to the Holy Spirit in the days to come, how what God wants to tell us is speaking into our lives that we might cross over into what God has right in front of us. So let's look a little bit at the scriptures today. Joshua told them, you've never been this way before, so you need a guide, and the guide is going to be the ark of the covenant. I want to tell you a little bit about um, what was in the Ark of the Covenant. They were going to follow it across the Jordan River. And it says in Hebrews 9, verse 3 and 4, there was a curtain in the holy place and behind the curtain in the second room called the most holy place. In that room, there was a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant. This is a wooden chest, the Ark of the Covenant, that they were going to follow across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And in Hebrews, it tells us it was covered in gold on all sides. And inside the Ark, there was a gold jar containing manna, 
There was Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and there were the stone tablets of the covenant, or what we call the Ten Commandments. They were following an ark of the covenant, a box, across and into and across a river, and inside that ark were these things. I'd like to look at these things today and see how they can help guide us into where we are going next. Would that be okay? I don't know. Do we need to vote on that? Pastor, just tell them it's okay. We'll go on to it. In uh, Exodus 25, God explains to Moses what this ark is going to look like. He says, how do people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, 27 inches high? God's pretty precise, isn't he? Uh, Make it about yay and so and thank you, Lord, for your specific instructions to us. Overlay it inside and outside with pure gold. Run a molding around of gold all around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to the four feet. Two rings on each side. Make poles from acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the side of the ark to carry it. These carrying poles must stay inside the rings. Never remove them. When the ark is finished, place inside it the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, which I will give to you. Verse 17, then make the ark's cover, the place of atonement, from pure gold. It must be 45 inches long, 27 inches wide. Then make two cherubim hammered from hammered gold and place them on two ends of the atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover. Make it all of one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover. With their wings spread above it, they will protect it. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give to you. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. Verse 22. It's unbelievable. This verse is unbelievable. I want you to believe it. I want to believe it. God speaking to Moses. He said, I will meet you there. On top of this box, the presence of the Lord is going to come. He said, I will meet you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover. Also in other translations called the mercy seat. Between the gold cherubim that hover over the Ark of the Covenant, from there I will give you commands for the people of Israel. I don't know what kind of boxes you have at your house. This is a box, is it not? God is specifically saying, I want it to look like this, make it like this. He's letting the people be involved in the creation of it, but he has the plans for it. It's a picture of God that he has plans for our life, and they're specific to us. He's created you just how he wanted you. He's made you, measured you out, numbered the days of your life and the hairs on your head and what you would look like and be like, your personality, the inside of you, the outside of you, just like this box. He has specific things. Because this box pleased him, and you please him. And he says to Moses, I will meet with you on top of that box. You know, people feel like God is so far away, and we see this at at the beginning of this story of the history of God's people, that God is coming near to people and making a way that his presence could be with them. So this ark that they're going to follow across the river, it's not just like a lucky charm. It's not just like uh, some other religious symbol. It's not an idol or a statue to represent God. It's not something that they would worship. It's not a box that was going to contain God, like, hey, I got uh, all my lucky power in this rabbit foot. 
Anybody used to have those rabbit foots on the keychain? You know, poor rabbits, they would turn them green, then take their foot, put it on the keychain, and you could, that's another story. But it was treated as holy, but not worshipped. And it was a place where God and man would meet. It was God's presence by His Spirit on the earth. And Joshua says, if you're going to go where God's leading you, you're going to need to follow His presence. So number one today, if we're going to go where God wants us to go, we're going to need to follow His presence. I want to invite you to the next two Wednesday nights at All Generation, either tune in online or come in person, but we're going to look into God's presence and how we can get closer to Him and welcome His presence and prepare for His presence. But number one, to get where we're going with God, we're going to have to follow His presence. To cross the river, the ark was going to go first, and it represented God's presence. Look at Ezekiel. Chapter 36, verse 26 through 27, God speaking through the prophet to his people. He says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony or your hard, stubborn heart, and I'll give you a tender, responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. The spirit of God was on the Ark of the Covenant. This is thousands of years ago, leading them across the Jordan River. But Ezekiel says to you and me today that God will take out our hard heart and give us a new heart like his. And he'll take out our dead spirit in Christ and he'll put his spirit in us. We don't follow the box, the Ark of the Covenant, literally like the box. We don't follow that where we're going. We follow the spirit of God which has been put inside of us. Can you believe that? Yes, you do. Some of you have been in church so long, you're like, yeah, God's spirit, Jesus lives in my heart. You gave your life to Christ when you heard his message. You became a Christian. You were born again. You received Christ into your life. You prayed. There's many ways we talk about it. But what happened in that interchange with God is his spirit was put inside of us. So to follow God in this next season in our life, we're going to have to get in tune with His Spirit. Many of you have been working on that. Some of you, you're just new to all of this, and you're like, well, yeah, I want to learn that. Wherever we are in that journey, like we've been 34 years here, or we just got here Sunday, and wow, the first thing we heard was the bald guy's going to start talking, and the guy with good hair is leaving. It doesn't matter if you've been here 34 years or if this is 34 minutes, the same Spirit of God is available to us to lead us into our future. So they followed God's presence on the ark. We will follow God's presence as he leads us from our spirit, his spirit inside of us. And his spirit manifests, we've been talking about that, on the outside of us, around us, in us, his spirit. The whole earth is full of his glory. They followed him, God, across the river, the presence of God on the ark. We have the presence of God leading us today to follow God where he's taking us individually and together. We're going to need his presence. But hallelujah, he's given us his presence. Number two, the ark. It said, you saw in these verses that um, we read earlier that the, inside the ark was the, the covenant, the Ten Commandments that, that God gave. In Exodus um, 20. Where am I at? Let's look at this page. Exodus 20, 1 through 17. I'm not going to read it for you. This is why we voted before. 
before I spoke. Oh, boy, we've been listening to you. We know how it goes every week. In Exodus 20, God gives the Ten Commandments. You know the ones that have no other gods, to not bear false witness, not use the Lord's name in vain, honor your mother and your father. We probably should review those. They took those tablets that God wrote his commands on. They put them in the ark. So as the Israelites are following the ark across the Jordan River into the promised land, into what's next, the word of God is in the box. I want to call it God's proclamation. Parents, have you ever proclaimed something at your house? Let me show you the difference. Hey, y'all, we're going to go eat. Where y'all want to go eat? Let's go to Whataburger. That's kind of just telling them something. This is a proclamation. By order of the queen, I'm officially announcing. Anybody doesn't have their room clean by 3 o'clock? That's more of a proclamation, isn't it? More official. The kids are not even moving. Husbands are like, ooh, yeah, I know when, that, when mama says that. All jokes aside, the proclamation of God, what he's spoken, whether it was in a whisper or in thunder on the mountain, his word was in that box, the Ark of the Covenant. They were following God's presence across the Jordan River. They were following his proclamation, God's word, written on tablets, kept in the Ark to lead them across the river. God has proclaimed a lot of things. It's recorded in the Bible, his written word to us in all generations. We believe and know that it's the living and true word of God, the Bible, written down. It's inerrant. It's the book we need. It's his instruction to us. We know that it's the word of God. In the beginning was Jesus, the word. He was. The word and Jesus are the same, the logos of God, the word of God, more than just what he says. It's who he is. It's his son. Jesus is called equal or the same thing as the word. The word was in the ark going across the river. Joshua said, if we're going to go where God's leading us, we've got to follow his presence and we've got to follow his proclamations. We've got to do what he says. In chapter 1, before Joshua even speaks to the people, God tells him, Joshua, you're going to follow me and you're not going to turn to the right or to the left from what I have proclaimed to you. You're going to keep my word And I'm going to be with you. And God is saying the same thing to us. If we're going to follow him in what's next in our life, we're going to have to follow his proclamation. David, the great king, said this. How can a young person stay pure? You can translate that as how am I going to make it in this world and be righteous? You can say young person, old person. How can a person... Live how you want them to live by obeying your word. And he says, I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The way forward for us individually and together is going to be instructed to us by God's word. Now, let me tell you, there was a box with the commands of God in it, and they were following it, but it wasn't the only voice in the land at the time. There were all kinds of false gods, false teaching, false religion. There was even doubt and murmuring in their own people. Nah, I think God's more like this. Ah, Joshua, man, going across a river at flood state. There's always other voices, other words, other announcements, other proclamations, other propaganda. The earth is full of it. We have an enemy called the prince of the power of the air, and the air is full 
of what he says. But God has written down, spoken through his prophets and even today through his son that we have his word to go forward. If we're going to make it forward with where the Lord is leading us, we're going to have to follow his word. I could just say that a thousand more times to myself. I need to hear it. It's the word of God, his presence that's going to lead us where we need to go. Come on Wednesdays, we'll talk a little bit more about it. If you aren't as invested in your time, energy, strength of your life in the presence of God and the word of God, today is the day to make some changes. If you are, today is the day to double down and triple down and whatever else they say and go for more. Where we're headed is impossible for us, but the presence of God and the word of God will lead us there. So God's presence and his proclamation are on the ark. But also in the ark, as we read in Hebrews, there was a jar of manna. Have you heard of manna before? All right. I'm going to read it to you out of Exodus 16, 2 through 15. Years before this moment when they're crossing the river, they had come out of slavery in Egypt. The people of God. Pastor preached a great series on that called One Name. I encourage you to go back on our uh, website or on Facebook and, and revisit it. He spoke about many of the parts of this journey of the, of the Hebrew people, the people of God, as God is proclaiming himself to all the nations through one nation. And they, they were out of Egypt, but in the desert. And they're wondering about what to eat. And here it says, there too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you, Moses, Aaron, you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Side note. How many side notes are you going to have? Well, these people have been slaves for hundreds of years, oppressed, their children thrown into the river by the king that enslaved them, beaten. Every time they got a little better, he made it harder. Every time God tried to set them free, he took away things from them. They are misunderstanding and remembering their past because they're not understanding their present. We set around pots of meat filled with, I'm sorry, pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. That's not what they were saying when they were in Egypt. If you remember, God said to Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. Go deliver them. They weren't crying, God, we love all these pots of meat and all the bread we have. Send a redeemer. They were like, we're suffering. We're slaves. We're your people. They called out to God and God answered. But a few days in the journey, they're like, man, we had all the meat and bread we needed in Egypt. Now you got us starving in the desert. As we're journeying forward with God, we want to kill the human nature in us to argue and complain and murmur. Look what Moses says. Then the Lord says, or look what the Lord says. The Lord says to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much as food as they need for that day, and I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions, my proclamations that are going to lead them forward. Will they follow it? On the sixth day, they can gather the food and they can prepare it. There will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron and all the people said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. So Moses and Aaron said, announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourself before the Lord, for he's heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked up toward the wilderness, and there they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. The Lord said, I've heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you'll have meat to eat, and in the morning you'll have all the bread you want, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And that evening, a vast number of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. And when the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. And the Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses said, it's the food the Lord has given you to eat. It's manna from heaven. They're in the desert. God's taking them somewhere. He rains down manna from heaven after a great night of having quail. I don't know if there was any quail at the Chisholm Trail barbecue cook-off this past weekend. But here's a bunch of people complaining to God. We used to, they weren't even talking about slavery. We used to have all the meat and all the bread we wanted. And God answers them with all the meat and the bread that comes down from heaven. And Moses, later in this chapter, is commanded by God to take part of the manna and put it in a gold cup, and put it inside the ark. So when they're crossing over the Jordan, years later, inside that ark, the presence of God is on it, the proclamation of God is in it, and the provision of God is inside it. This guy's good. That's three Ps, three points, three Ps. Are y'all taking notes? They had no food in the desert. God says, I'll bring you food. He brings them quail, and then For the rest of their time in the desert, bread would come from heaven. It's called manna. That manna was in the ark. God says, hey, I want you to go across this river, Joshua. I want you to take the people with you, and I want you to know that my presence is going in front of you. My proclamation is going to lead you, and my provision will be with you. Whatever's going on in your life today, God has provision for it. How could it happen? Oh, they just sang, his miracles are too good not to believe it. How could that sick relative be healed? How could our finances turn around? How can we make that next pay? How can this relationship be mended? How can I know my, how can the future, all the questions. The Lord says, inside my ark, there's provision. You put some of that manna in there to remind the people that I fed them. I called them and I took care of them. And I hear their complaints. Oh, that we wouldn't be a people that would complain, but that we would trust. Amen? Well, I hope so. We want to trust the Lord that he provides. Jesus said this in John chapter 6. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Jesus is referring to the manna that they kept in the ark, the manna we just read about that came down from heaven. Years later, he's on the earth, and he's like, I'm the bread. 
When God rained down bread from heaven, it was a picture of what I would be when I came from heaven and walked on the earth. And I would provide your life. I would become the provision for your sins, Jesus was saying. I would be what you need every day. You'd wake up in the morning and look for me and you'd find me. And you'd gather what you need from me that day. And I would be the strength and the provision of your life. Are you crossing any rivers in your life today? Jesus is providing for you. You have any flooded Jordan rivers that you're like, I don't know how we're going to cross that one. I'm always picking on that accent. What's up, homie? How are we going to get across all this water? I don't know. I'll work on another accent, Ace. How they say it in Lulu, Fernando? Man, what's up with all this water? Sure, homeboy got a boat. Oh, goodness. We're in the middle of some stuff. We're looking at some stuff in our world today. There's some dad who woke up today. He's like, how am I going to raise kids in this mess, this culture, this world? Had some grandparents woke up today and go, I don't even know where I live. I, I don't understand what happened. 10 years, 15 years ago, it wasn't like this. Had some kids woke up today. Some of them didn't even say anything. They're just looking at this world, wondering how in the world. Well, it ain't how in the world. It's how in the heaven. There's a provision that comes down from heaven and leads us through what's impossible for us to cross, it takes us there. Joshua says, you're going to get up in the morning, you're going to go across this flooded river, and you're going to follow the ark. And God's presence is going to lead us, and God's proclamation is going to lead us, and God's provision is going to lead us. Ah, that's an old box, Matt, I don't see it. Jesus is all of that. Jesus is God's presence with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God's proclamation. He's the word of God made flesh. Jesus is God's provision. We were dead in our sins, yet Christ died for us, and his blood was enough to pay our price. Jesus is leading us across whatever we're facing today, and I want to believe him, and I want to follow him. There was one more thing in the ark. We read it in Hebrews. There was a staff that had budded. It was Moses' brother Aaron's staff. Moses' brother Aaron was selected by God as the high priest. He was going to minister to God on behalf of the people and minister to the people on behalf of God. But there became some more complaining in these people that don't like quail and manna and got all these pots of meat back in their slave days. They started complaining and saying, how come Aaron gets to be the high priest? And they complained against Moses and Aaron this is before they crossed the river, sometime around the man in the desert. And they begin to say, who made you the leaders of us? And God says this to Moses. Tell the people of Israel to bring 12 wooden staffs, one from each of the leader of Israel's ancestral tribes. There were 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons of Jacob. And inscribe each leader's name on the staff. Inscribe Aaron's name on the staff of the tribe of Levi. So Levi was the tribe that Aaron came from. He said, for there must be one staff for the leader of each ancestral tribe. Place these sta staffs in the tabernacle in front of the ark, the same ark that contains the tablets of the covenant and I, where I meet with you. And God says this to Moses, buds will sprout on the staff belonging to the man I choose. Then I will finally put it in to all these peoples murmuring and complaining against you. So Moses gave the instruction to the people of Israel, and each of the 12 leaders, including Aaron, brought Moses a, Moses a staff. 
And Moses placed the staff in the Lord's presence in the tabernacle of the covenant. When he went into the tabernacle of the covenant the next morning, he found that Aaron's staff, representing the tribe of Levi, had sprouted, budded, blossomed, and produced almonds. So you know these dudes, like, I'm sorry, these are the ancestral leaders of God's people. I'm calling them dudes. So the, the leaders had these tribal staffs that were passed down. So a, a, a piece of wood that they carried, and they, maybe it was like if you're holding the stick, you get to talk. Or I don't know, but it represented some stuff, some heritage, some history or whatever. And there's this uprising. Aaron shouldn't be the high priest. But God told Moses on the mountain Aaron was a high priest. So God's fixing all of his kids, complaining. He says, lay all the sticks down. So these are sticks. These are staffs, ages old, dried, old wood. Very important, though, in their people. They lay them down, and this staff that's been passed down through these generations with Aaron's name on it in the morning, in one day, growing like weeds in your garden in Texas, it's got leaves and almonds, it's budded, it's sprouted. This dead stick has life in it. And God says, hey, y'all got it? Aaron's my high priest. God's positioning. When they crossed the river following the ark, they were following God's presence. They were following God's proclamation. They were following God's provision. And they were getting in line with God's positioning. Aaron was the priest so that God could speak to him and speak to the people. The people could speak to Aaron and speak to God. God had positioned Aaron as a high priest. I want to read something about you in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. You're not like that for you are chosen people. He's just talked about the world and the godless people who won't believe in Christ. And he says, you're not like them. You're a chosen people. You, everybody say me. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. God's positioning was in that ark. In that ark was Aaron's staff that had budded in one night by a miracle of God to proclaim the position he had put on Aaron. And they write in 1 Peter to you and to me, you were not a people and now you're my people. I have positioned you from enemy to child. I have positioned you from lost to found. I have positioned you from enemy to my royal priesthood so that through you, other people can follow me across to where I'm leading you. Unbelievable. Even the people that murmur and complain, God has a positioning system that takes us from where we were to where we should be. We don't have time today. It would be some interesting stories. We could just call everybody up one at a time. You could tell us all the dirt you've ever done. Oh, that'd be fun, church. In your mind right now, you probably have all the reasons why you shouldn't be God's child. You might be able to remember some of the things you did that how could God even love me after all that. Today, you might have come in here thinking those very things. And God says, I can take a dead piece of wood and have almonds in the morning. How much more can I do in your life by my Holy Spirit 
if you'll let me position you into what I've called you. You're not lost, you're found. You're not confused, you're following the way, the truth, and the life. You're not worthless, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And all that the air tries to tell us against God's proclamation, God shows his positioning of us by calling us his child and his holy priesthood. I don't know what you do when you don't know where to go. You're headed to a wedding, a quinceanera, a birthday party, a new store, the cell phone store, <laughs> Target. Everybody knows where Target is. That's a bad example. What do you do when you're headed somewhere you've never been before? Some people just go like, we're going to find it. Some people go, GPS. Some people don't have to do anything because their wife's going to tell them how to get there. Ooh, God forgive me, I'm sorry. Some people just go like, we can find this place. We don't have to know where it is. Other people, they get a little more timid, like, man, I don't want to be lost for an hour. Let's get a map. Let's get a GPS system. Let's ask somebody. Let's call. Some people face new things differently. Let me tell you what we're going to do, what we need to do as a people. We need to follow the ark. We need to say, God, by your presence, you'll lead us. God, by your proclamation, you'll lead us. God, by your provision, you will lead us. God, by your positioning, we're going to follow you. It's interesting. The position was follow him. How easily we start saying, hey, God, I need you to come over here. <laughs> Whoa, that's a whole other thing. That's a good message. Let's write that down. Telling God to come over here. I want to pray for us real quickly. Would you bow your head? If I had another title, I'd say God's right in the middle of it. It says the priest stayed with the ark in the middle of the river until everybody crossed over. With your head bowed, can you hear this today? God's right in the middle of it with you, no matter what you're going through. You might be just about to head into the trouble. You might be just coming out of the trouble. You might be right in the middle of the trouble. But God's presence and provision and proclamation and positioning is with you. Lord, would you open up our eyes to see that you're on the mercy seat over us that you're going to provide everything that we need. That you're going to tell us, proclaim to us by your word what we should do. And you're going to position us as your people in this new place we're going to called our future. Help us today, Lord, to trust you. You may want to say to the Lord, Lord, I trust your presence. You may want to say to him, Lord, I trust your proclamation. You may want to say to him, Lord, I trust your provision. And I trust how you're positioning me in your way. I do trust you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you on Wednesdays to tune in. Next Sunday, please be here to honor and celebrate. 34 years and our pastors.
We've never been this way before. But we're not lost. We're not orphans. We're not discarded. We're chosen. The Lord's going to take us where we need to go. Not only as a church, but you as a person and your family, where God's leading you. I'd like to do this to, to end. It says in the next chapter of Joshua that when they came out of the river, God said, hey, get the 12 leaders of the tribes to bring a stone and come over here to the other side of the river and put it down here. And Joshua formed a monument, a memorial to the Lord. And he said, when your kids come by and say, hey, what are all those rocks doing stacked up? You tell them God got us over the Jordan River when it was flooded on dry land. We followed the ark. Tell them the story. Remember what I've done. Remember what I've done. So this week I've been remembering. I've been here with my family for 21 years this summer. My history with the Lord goes back further. But I, I brought a rock out of the river today. It's a picture of me and PJ. 21 years ago, we married, no kids. We're in another country. I used to look. Well, it's because I'm next to her, so. I was thinking about the last 21 years. It includes a marriage. It includes four children and one in heaven. It includes a lot of growth, a lot of ups and downs. But I've come out of some rivers. And this is a picture from when that trip started. I, I encourage you in this next week, Think about your life. What are some rocks or some things that you could bring out of where God's brought you? I, I started with this picture because we're not in this place anymore. We're somewhere else. God's brought us through some things. But this represents where we started, especially in this church. It, it started right around that time when we came here. I uh, got another rock. It's a little house. We have built our home and our life, my wife and I, in all generations. All the major things that have happened in life have happened in this place with you guys and people that aren't here today and people that will come and our pastors. And so they just brought a rock out of the river and put it on the other side. So I can bring a little, like, uh, knick-knack. What do you call these? Trinket thing, deal, whatever, ornament. Represents the, the home God's been building in my life with my wife. And this church is a big part of it. We were told we wouldn't have any kids and Trinity will be 20 in August. We were told Michael wouldn't live till birth because her heart was too weak and she turned 15 in March. Emery was born with a lot of prayer in McAllen, Texas. And uh, PJ in a lot of trouble. She was induced and not allowed to, to go back home and... They, we had Emery, and they looked at her and said, she's fine. They looked at her again and said, we better take her to the NICU, and they did a lot of work on her there, and she's 13. And then Avalyn, most of y'all know that story, or some of it, how they should, my wife and her should both be dead before she was even born, and miracles that happened in there. And this house I have was built in this place, and many of you prayed us through the troubles that we had. And there's been other things. We were sent as missionaries out of this church, and we've uh, grown in the Lord at this church, and we've 
received the Holy Spirit in this church, and we've walked with you through some of the things you've gone through in this church, and God's built a home. I wanted to bring a home out of the river. So when people walk by and say, what's that? I can say, the Lord's done that, and I can tell them some of the stories. And then I mentioned it, but a lot of our story involves hospitals. My daughter had a tumor in her lung at barely two years old, one years old. I get the dates all mixed up. And they didn't think she lived. And Miss Allie called me and said, hey, your daughter's going to be all right. Before she was even born, she should have died a hundred times. But now we had a tumor in the lung. The next time we went back to the hospital for him to do something with it, it was gone. The doctors brought us in the room. And they said, we have no explanation but what we went in to do something about is not there anymore. My wife has a lot of medical bracelets. I brought this one today. I could tell you story after story, but we've been through some rivers. and We've come out on the other side because the presence of God, the proclamation of God, the provision of God, and how he positions us. And if I had time with you, you could tell me some of the rivers you've been through. I hope this week you'll find some rocks you can bring out of the river. You'll tell some people about them. Or if nothing else, sit and talk to the Lord about it. I cried this morning thinking, God, you've been right in the middle of it every time. You came from heaven to be with me through what I was going through. And you've never not been there. So I have some rocks today. Leo, Miss Miller, I wanted to give you all these because you all been a big part of it. I'll just hand them to you. I'm going to give you all both the picture. I'm going to give the house to your wife because I don't want you to glue it on the dashboard of your truck and look crazy. <laughs> and then there's a medical bracelet. And I want to tell you all thank you for being a part of the rivers we've crossed. And I wish I could say it better, but have those and remember us and thank you for everything you've prayed us through and walked through. My dad had a... My dad had a heart attack and bypass surgery in Kansas City, and Leo was at the hospital. Emery was in the NICU in McAllen, and several pastors were gathered there to pray for her. And she came out very shortly after that. And one of the pastors standing there in McAllen, Texas, was Leo. And his family's prayed for us, and you guys have. And I have a story to tell because God's been the ark for me, but you've been the people I've crossed it with. So I want to tell you thank you. And I want to tell you, Let's go into the future with the Lord. In this church, we're going to follow his presence. We're going to follow his proclamation. We're going to depend on his provision because none of us can cross the rivers that are in front of us by ourselves. But God will provide a way, and we're going to trust his position. We have all been called his people, and we're a royal priesthood. Would you stand with me, and I'll dismiss us. Thank you for your extra time today. You have a week. Maybe you want to bring a couple of rocks to pastor and his wife. Maybe you want to write him a note, send him an email, tell him what they meant to you. There's a moment in some trips that really matter, right? My dad used to take us skiing. I thought we were standing up to get out of here. One more story. My dad used to take us skiing, Colorado. We'd leave. They'd give me car sick medicine. I'd go to sleep. You wake up around Lubbock. Looks like Lubbock. You wake up in New Mexico, looks like New Mexico. All parts of the trip important. But I woke up one day in a snowstorm on Rattan Pass, and my mom has her head out the window, 
telling my dad where to go in a blizzard because the windshield wipers and the, and the uh, windshield were frozen. Listen, I enjoyed the trip through Dallas and to Lubbock. I enjoyed part of what I slept through. But when I woke up, I realized this is an important part of the trip. Because there's a car hanging off Raton Pass on this side. You can't see, and we're driving. There's some parts of the trip more important than other parts, maybe. No, maybe they're just more intense than other parts. I mean, you don't get to Raton Pass if you don't drive through Lubbock. You don't get to Colorado if you don't drive through New Mexico. You've been on a lot of places, a lot of parts of your trip, a lot of your journey. But I want you to have a, a sober understanding. We are in a critical time of our journey today. It's so important. But we don't need my mom hanging out the window telling us in a blizzard where to go. We have the Lord telling us where to go. Hey, my mom did a good job. I made it today to the service because she was out the window looking. What's your point, Matt? Well, there's only four, so let me, no, I'm just kidding. My point is this. Every moment to this moment has mattered, but this is the moment right now. We need to honor the people and the things God has done in our life. We need to spend some time looking at the rocks that represent what God's done in our life. And we need to, with all that we have, commit to the Lord. We will go across this next river with you, Lord, and we will follow your way. This isn't just, ah, next week's Father's Day and they're going to have lunch and whatever. We're standing in front of our future. And we need to commit to the Lord that we're going to follow him. No matter what the past has been, that we're all in with the Lord. So let's pray and say that to the Lord if you want to today. Lord, thank you for all the rivers we've crossed. Thank you for 34 years. Thank you for our pastors. Thank you for the miracles you've done. Lord, we could all start naming them. When we got to places that were too big for us, things we couldn't handle, and when the water parted, we saw you there right in the middle, making a way where there was no way. Father, today, for this house, for all generations, I speak for us, and I say we will follow your presence. We will follow your proclamations. We will follow and depend on and need your provision, and we take our positions behind you. Wherever you lead, we'll go. Help us as you were with us in the past. Be with us today and in the future, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.